All right, we're going to be in Genesis 44. If you want to get your Bibles out, scrolls, iPhones, whatever you got, don't ever trust a preacher. You always want to make sure you're checking the Word of God. Um, We're going to talk about a topic today that I would normally not preach on. And I told Luann last night, I said, this is weird because I would have skipped this chapter. I didn't want to preach this uh, because I don't know what to do with it. But... God obviously does, or he wouldn't have put this chapter in his book. And so I'm going to tell you what it says, and then we're going to let God do what he wants to do with it in your life. Is that fair? Because I don't know. It's one of the rare times where I'm like, I really don't know what the application is. I'm just going to kind of lay it out there and let let God do his work. But I've told you that I'm from kind of a a backwards, shall we say, kind of a place and um, one of the English teachers in my hometown recently got arrested. We don't need to go into to details. But um, one of the students said, when she gets out of jail, I'm going to marry her. And again, where I'm from, you just, you don't say much. You just kind of, you just let things like that go. But one of my, one of my friends had the courage and he stepped up to him and he said, don't you know that you never end a sentence with a proposition? If it makes you feel better, I just explained the joke to a guy last night backstage and he started laughing once I told him. Anyway, so here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about our parents, our parents, our grandparents, other seniors that you might know, because we live in a generation here in the West where we don't value older people. We don't value them as people. We don't value their knowledge. And it's really sad because only in the West do we do that. If you were in the East, if you were in Japan, if you were in China, if you were in Korea, there is great respect for the elderly. But here in the West, we've been convinced, we've been convinced since we're young, that education and knowledge has all begun with us. And so there's nothing to be gained from those old folks. And that's why we can reject the Bible. That's why, and, and we're taught, of course, life doesn't mean anything. You can kill a baby. You can eliminate seniors. That's exactly Hitler's plan. Even, even the, uh, the veterans of World War One, because they were costing Germany money. And so Hitler had them eliminated. Because life doesn't have any value. If you can't benefit the state, then what good are you? When the Bible talks about the importance of life. And in Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, and in Deuteronomy 5, 16, the two places where the Ten Commandments are given to us, the fifth commandment says, honor your mother and father. Hmm. Ever wonder why that's there? Let me help you. You should always ask your Bible questions. Why would God tell Moses, I mean, we've got... Don't lie, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't make any false images, don't worship idols. And then in the middle of this, boom, honor your mother and father. The answer is they weren't doing it. You don't write something if they're already doing it and if they're doing it correctly. So God tells Moses, you tell the people to honor their mother and father. You're like, well, my mom and dad, they're not worth honoring. Did God ask your opinion? This is the hardest part of scripture. 
Because you and I are Christians now. No, my dad, I'm not thinking of me, but you're saying, my dad doesn't deserve honor. That's not the point. You're a Christian. You're going to live differently. Now, I understand some of you come from very difficult, abusive families. However, the power of truth is still before us. And we owe a debt of gratitude. You know what? We weren't perfect either. In fact, some of us still aren't quite perfect yet as sons and daughters. Yes? But yet we hold our parents to this incredible standard. But God simply says, honor your mother and father. In fact, scripture goes on in Ephesians and it says, honor your mother and father that you may live a long life and that things may go well for you. So there are certain principles that God's put in place that we are to show respect and honor. Now, there's a lot of ways that things can be done. It doesn't mean there's only one way to honor or to take care of your parents. But there is a biblical position here that we need to look at. Now, here's the story. So we've been chasing Joseph all around uh, Israel and Egypt. Uh, he's been... Uh, mocked by his brothers, thrown into the well, sold into slavery, in prison. Now he's running Egypt. The brothers finally showed up because they're starving to death. He gives them grain, sends them home, but he says, don't ever come back. You'll never see my face again unless you bring your younger brother, Benjamin. They go home. Dad says, no chance. Jacob says, no way you're ever taking Benjamin. But they run out of food. The famine continues. Jacob says, guys, you got to go get us more food. They're like, dad, we're not doing it. He said, if you could have seen the look on that cat's face, he said, do not come back unless you've got Benjamin with you. And like, why'd you tell him about Benjamin? You know, all this arguing going on back and forth. Finally, Jacob relents. They go back. We talked last week about how there's a big party, but Joseph's not revealed himself yet. And the boys are all sitting in birth order. Messes them up a little bit. And Benjamin gets five times as much food. Big statement being made. Loads up their donkeys with grain. But Joseph has his golden cup that he drinks out of. The king's cup. He has it put in Benjamin's sack. And then he's going to have him go out and follow him. And he said, whoever's got that cup in their sack, they're going to be my slave forever. So this is where we pick up the story. If you'll stand out of respect for God's word, please. So then Joseph's steward proceeded. They follow him out of the out of Egypt and they begin to search. And Judah said, look, you go through all of our bags. We're just not those kind of guys. After all, we brought silver back. We paid for everything. And Judah said, but if you find the cup, who, whoever's bag it's in will be your slave. He said they started again, messed them up, started with the oldest and went to the youngest. So they had to be thinking, how in the world do they know our birth order? And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Now we go into free fall. All right, verse 18. Judah now steps up, the one responsible. Judah went up to Joseph and said, please, my Lord, let your servant speak a word to my Lord. Do not be angry with your servant, though you are equal to Pharaoh himself. My Lord, ask his servants, do you have a father or brother? He's just throwing it out here now. He's scared. We have an aged father and there's a young son born to him in his old age. His brother is dead and he's the only one of his mother's sons left and his father loves him. And then you said, bring him down to me so I, 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 could, I could see him for myself. And we said to my Lord, the boy cannot leave his father. If he leaves him, his father will die. 
But you told your servants, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you will not see my face again. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him what my Lord had said. Then our father said, go back and buy a little more food. We cannot go down. Only if our youngest brother is with us will we go. We cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Your servant, my father said, you know that my wife bore me two sons. One of them went away from me. He's surely been torn to pieces. And I've not seen him since. If you take this one from me too, and harm comes to him, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in misery. So now, if the boy is not with us, when I go back to your servant, my father, and if my father, whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life, sees that the boy is not there, he will die. Your servants will bring the gray head of our father down to the grave in sorrow. Your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I said, if I do not bring him back to you, I will bear the blame before you, my father, all my life. Now then, please, let your servant remain here. Judas said, I'll take his place. Let me remain here as your slave and let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come upon my father. You can be seated. All right. It looks like just a narrative that maybe we don't need, but there's so many emotions running through this story that it's really crazy. Because Jacob's not been a good father. I'm just going to cut right to the chase. Literally, it's as if these other ten don't matter to him at all. He says to the other ten, hey, go get me grain, I'm hungry. Hey, go do this. Take care of the sheep. Go do this. But remember, Joseph was the golden boy, right? He got the special robe. He got the special attention. He was kept at home. He was protected. He's the one that had the dream. And then when Joseph is out of the picture, Benjamin becomes the golden boy. And the other ten almost don't matter. Now, we know that these ten have a lot of problems, but dad has not been good to them. They, they don't have a good relationship. And they continue to point that out. The only thing that dad cares about is Benjamin. Because he's still playing the lie that Joseph's dead. My dad's life is tied up with Benjamin. He didn't say that about himself. He doesn't say that about the other ten. But I think, I don't think this is all like pre-planned. I think Joseph is still trying to sort all this out. What am I going to do with my brothers? He wants to see his dad. There's no question about that. He got to see Benjamin. He wants to see his dad. That's why he's concocted this plan. But I think emotionally, Joseph still doesn't know whether he's going to have his brothers jailed, whether he's going to have them killed, or if he's going to take care of them. I don't think he's gotten that far yet in this whole scenario. But there is something positive that takes place. Judah is actually caring about his father. Enough so that he came to get food. I mean, you're like, well, wouldn't anybody do that? Well, maybe, maybe not. But at least they came to get food. And he says, I cannot go back without Benjamin because my dad will die. Now that has to bother you. He doesn't care if I die. If I stay here, but Judas made a commitment. It wasn't, he said, I'll bear the blame all my life. You know what he promised Jacob when he left? 
He said, if I don't bring Benjamin back, you can kill my two sons. But Judah steps up. The one thing he didn't do when Joseph was being sold into slavery, Judah steps up and says, I'll take Benjamin's place. He cares about the physical well-being of Benjamin, but also about his dad. Because he said, if I go home without this boy, my dad will die. It'll kill him. There's 12 of us, but he's only loved two. Judah doesn't say it that way, but that's the truth. But Judah has enough respect for his father, even though Jacob's not been the greatest father, that he says, I've got to do what's right for my dad. Now, I don't know what that looks like for any of you here, whether it's a dad, a grandpa, an uncle, an older person in your family, but there is a moral responsibility. In fact, in the New Testament, again, it says, honor your mother and father, and it comes with a promise that when you do that, you will receive long life and blessings. It's the only commandment. The rest of the commandments, don't do this. This one comes with a promise. If you treat your parents right, this is what God will do for you. With no qualifications. What if my dad was this? What if my mom was that? What if both of them were this? What if you can't even imagine my story? I know. I know. But God's word said, there's still a responsibility now that I'm a Christ follower to turn that around. Now, secondly, there's the spiritual part of this. And you don't, you don't get it so much in English as you do if you were reading it in Hebrew. That there is a sense that as Jacob explains, because he says it, a, a Judah says it like three times. He says, my dad will die. My dad will go down to his grave. My dad will, 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 but in Hebrew it reads more like this. If I go back and Benjamin's not there, it's going to destroy my father's faith. It's going to make him dislike God. He's going to go down to the grave angry at God. And I can't let that happen. Now let's talk about this for a minute. I know maybe things have happened, maybe they haven't. But all of us have got people in our lives that you don't want to go to hell. I'm not even saying that you haven't even suggested to them at certain times that they do make that trip. But deep down inside of you, that's not our wish for anyone. Even the worst of the worst. We would love to see a life changed, a soul saved. But what are we doing about it? Because I'm going to tell you, it's the worst feeling in the world. And probably every one of you have experienced it. But if you're at a funeral and you're like, I don't know. I don't know if he's saved or not. Listen, I've done a lot of funerals where I knew flat out they're in hell. Those are hard. Because you're trying to give comfort to the family, you're trying to share Jesus, but inside you're just like, I mean, you're not going to get up and say, you know, hey, you know where Uncle Bob is. Um, but yet you don't want to give people false hope either. But the most frightening thing is when nobody knows the answer. Because spiritual things have never even been discussed. And you've got a mom, a dad, an uncle, a cousin, brother, a friend that you've never even bothered to find out. I stood at a hospital bed, I don't know, 10 years ago. They brought me in. I, I really don't know who. I couldn't tell you anything except I remember standing at this lady's bed at Halifax. The doctor said she's got less than 24 hours. 
young lady. I went in and I shared the gospel with her. I got finished, very simple, 30 seconds. Here's Jesus. Here's how this works. Here's how you can be saved. Here's how you can go to heaven. She said, do you know, of course I don't know, somebody owes me $500. And she went on a rant. I'm pastor, I just stood there. And I said, ma'am, with all due respect, in less than 24 hours, you're going to be physically dead. And you're going to be standing before the king of creation, the king of salvation, the king of glory. And you're going to be arguing over $500. You're dying. I said, you need to be prepared for eternity. I'm sorry to tell you, I'm almost certain she went to hell. But you know what? I did what I could. There's a lot of people who have never even been given the chance. That's, I left her. I said, listen, all I can do is give you the opportunity. I pray that somewhere before she died, she did something with that. But what's tragic is when people are surrounded by Christians in their own family, and we're not even concerned about their spiritual welfare. Judah said, I can't let this happen to my dad. He will lose faith. Now think about who this is. This is Jacob. This is a child of the promise. We've got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. This is one of the great leaders of the Jewish faith. And one one in the direct line of Jesus. Judah said, I cannot let this happen. Wow. See, I I don't know where you're at. I don't know who you need to talk to. Here's one of the great stories from a couple weeks ago. This is Jim Kelly. Uh, Jim Kelly, uh, great uh, football player at the University of Miami, four times in the Super Bowl with the Buffalo Bills. He's my age. He's 60 years old. He's been battling cancer. But this is Jim Kelly accepting Christ and being baptized two weeks ago. Now, I do have to point out, he's obviously in his Florida home because it's already iced over if he's in Buffalo. But... uh, But I'm like, man, what a statement, not only for for Jim Kelly to humble himself, to accept Christ, but what a statement he just made to millions of people who think he's a football god and for Jim Kelly to surrender to the living God. And then the last part of the story is about not disappointing your parents. You're like, well, it wouldn't take much in my life for me to not disappoint my parents. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. Because even if you had difficult parents, they probably had some positives. There was something in there. There was something that some way they lived or principles that they had in their life. And you're like, you know, my life is not where it ought to be. I have not lived up to the legacy that I was taught in this particular principle or this way. And I think that's what's eating Judah up here is the thought that he's letting, he doesn't realize that we're going to be looking at his life 4,000 years later, but he can't bear the thought of letting his dad down, letting Benjamin down. And so he says, I will become a slave. Do you understand what he just said? I will forfeit the rest of my life so that Benjamin can go home. That sounds an awful lot like Jesus, doesn't it? I'll forfeit the rest of my life. Now, if you go to 1 Samuel chapter 3 and 4, it's a story about Eli. Eli's running Israel, and Eli's a godly man, but he's got two boys that are absolute animals. They're sleeping with everybody at the tent. 
of God. They are perverted in every single way. The Ark of the Covenant gets stolen because of all the sins of his boys. And he actually falls off his chair, breaks his neck, and dies. And a child is being born while this whole story happens. First Samuel chapter 4. And they named the boy Ichabod. Because Ichabod means the glory has departed from Israel. Too many cases, we've let the glory of God depart from our lives, from our families, maybe even from churches. Because we've ceased to be the kind of people that God called us to be sacrificial. I don't want to disappoint my dad. I don't want to disappoint my biological father, but I also don't want to disappoint my heavenly father. I remember, I don't remember much from my childhood, but I was about seven years old. I think it was my first sleepover, and I'm at my grandma and grandpa's house. And I was a mama's boy. We'll just cut to the chase. And um, middle of the night, I'm crying and carrying on, telling them how sick I am, blah, blah, blah. So in the middle of the night, my grandma and grandpa get out of bed, drive me to my house. I go to bed, two in the morning. I'm happy. Back in my bed. I'm safe. The next day, my father, who didn't say a lot, my father looked at me and he said, your grandfather should not be taking care of you. You should be taking care of your grandfather. I'm seven. (laughs) But you know what? My father meant it. He was dead serious. And that thought has never left my mind. I can't remember what I ate for dinner last night, but that thought is still there. Your grandfather deserves for you to show him respect and for you to be taking care of him. Let's finish with this. In Turkey recently, there was a, a, a caver that got stuck 3,400 feet underground. There he is after they rescued him. But let's show you, show you the cave. Here's what the cave looked like. He went straight down 3,400 feet and got stuck. And if you're not in the caves, uh, you experience darkness like you'll never experience, silence like you've never experienced. Your heart will do weird things when you're in the dark like that. A whole lot of emotions take place. And when you're trapped, it is a feeling like no other. I can't imagine what was going through his mind. But here's what I want to tell you about that darkness When you turn on the light, you light a lighter, you light a candle, you flick on the smallest flashlight, all of a sudden, all the darkness runs away. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And Jesus came to get people out of those holes. And some of you are living in those holes right now. Some of you are stuck way underground, and you're really happy with your darkness. But Jesus came to turn on the light and say, you don't have to live this way. So I don't know what you need to know. If it's about physical needs, spiritual needs, not disappointing dad. I don't know what lesson you're supposed to get out of it. I told you what it said. But if you've not accepted Jesus, listen, this is our uh, beach baptism week. Made new weekend will be up at Tom Rennick Park up on North A1A at 6 o'clock tonight. Maybe you need to surrender your life to Jesus and be baptized. Maybe... You've got family and friends you need to call and say, hey, I don't even know if I've ever asked you this. But do you need to make this decision? I'll, I'll go with you. If you're online, you hit the button, I've decided. Out in room three, we have our, our counselors out there. They'll answer questions. They'll, they'll pray with you. Whatever it is you need. But there's God's word. Let's pray that he applies it. Lord, I, 
ask that you would take your word and you would bring it to each person. Is it about forgiveness? Is it about becoming a better mom or a better dad, a better, ch- a better child, a better adult child? Is it about forgiveness? Is it about the fact that no matter how bad I've been hurt, I still owe a debt? I don't know, Lord. You make the application in each life and in each family and each soul. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.